you would take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8. Begin reading at verse 18, and I'm going to read down through verse 25. Romans 8, verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. We know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. We are saved by hope, but hope that is not seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why did he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. The title of the message this morning is The Manifesting of the Sons of God. The Manifesting of the Sons of God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open thy precious word. We thank you, Father, for place to meet, and a place, Father, set aside for your, to worship you, and I pray that our worship would be pleasing in spirit and in truth. As we look into the Word of God, that we allow the Spirit of God, who's the author of this blessed book, to challenge us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, and convict us where we need convicted. Have your will and way, and may you be glorified in your church, we do pray in Jesus' name. You know, this subject, in one sense, is brings great joy. But another, great sadness. Because if we think about the manifesting or the revealing, and the idea is here, is one of these days it's going to be really revealed who God's children are. really be revealed. And there's people that you and I both know that we don't think it's going to be revealed that they are the sons of God. They think they are. But you know, the manifestation or the revealing of the sons of God will have a dramatic impact on the world. It is going to affect every facet of life on earth. It's, it's the great event we're waiting for, we're hoping for. The glorious liberty of the children of God. So I'll notice three things. First of all, the existing state of creation. And I have some sub, through subpoints here. First of all, the state of God's children, as we think about it, the existing state of creation at this moment, the state of God's children on earth, at this present time, verse 18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, 
the sufferings of this present time. The misfortunes, the calamities, the evil, the afflictions. You know, history, you could break that word down as to his story. History has been one of sufferings, of afflictions, of catastrophes and calamities. That's, That's what history is. Genesis chapter 5, what do you read about? You read about men are born, they're corrupted, or they lived, they procreated, and they died. Genesis 6 through 8, man corrupted himself to the extent that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually, and it got so bad that God destroyed the whole world with a flood, except Adam and his children and some animals to preserve life on the earth. Job said in Job chapter 5, verse 7, Yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. Psalm 34, verse 19 says, Many are the afflictions, not of the world, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 4, Paul says, But in all things, proving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions. Welcome to the ministry. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a life of afflictions. Well, life is. Necessities, distresses. In 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 3, That no man should be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. We're appointed to them. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5, But watch thou all things, endure afflictions, do the work of evangelists, make full proof of thy ministry. Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 9, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You know, see, it's all throughout the Bible that, they, that there are afflictions in this life. This life is a life of afflictions. Sufferings. In fact, Jesus in John 16, 33 told his disciples, These things have I spoken to you, that you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And when Barnabas and Paul were traveling, they in Acts 14.22, it says they, they were confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in faith, and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. You know, the word affliction, or afflictions, or afflicted, is used 143 times in the Bible, and most often has to do with the afflictions of this life. Persecutions. Tur- torture. Murder, stealing, rape, disease, misery, pain, sorrow, and death happen every day in the world we live in. And God's people are not exempt. Look at Second Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In verses 2 through 4, Paul talks about the ailments of the body. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 2, For in this we groan, in other words, in this body, we groan, 
earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven, if so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle, in other words, in this body do groan. Now some of you younger ones don't know, really understand maybe what that's all about, but just give yourself a few years and you'll find out. Do groan. Being burdened, not that we be unclothed, but clothed upon, that immortality might be swallowed up of life. See, we groan in this body. Of course, all that is because of sin. Genesis 2, 16 and 17, it says, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, Thou shalt surely die. And Romans 5.12 says, As by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You see, the state of God's children on earth is now is one of sufferings, of afflictions. In fact, the whole creation does. It's not just God's children. You know, sometimes we get the idea, are we the only ones that have these problems? No, welcome to, the, to life in this world as we know it. In fact, you know, that's not only the state of God's children, but that is the state of all creation, all creatures. If you notice in verse 20 of our text, he says, for the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but for reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. And again, verse 22, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. You know, hold on, this, not all this message is this negative, but, but uh, what we understand is all of creation, that word creature there is used in verse 20, refers to animate and inanimate. You know, that which isn't even capable of reasoning. The animal kingdom. Plant life. It's all been subject to vanity or frailty or want of vigor. That's what the word vanity there means. Frailty and want of vigor. It's all been made subject, and it's been made subject to that because of man's sin. You know, God said to, the, to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, 17 and 18, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shalt bring forth thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. So now that ground that you prepare for a garden will bring forth thorns and thistles. We never planted thistles in our cow pasture, but they were always there, the cursedest things you've ever seen in your life. And Dad would make us take a mowing sigh, one of those things that you swing, not something that runs, something you have to move or a corn cutter, and cut them off. And some of them big bull thistles would grow this big around. And you've you got to get to the stalk. And Dad wanted them cut off under the leaves. 
Because if you cut them off under the leaves at a certain time, they won't grow back. I never did quite figure that out. Because it seems we always had them year after year. But, but anyway, maybe it was different ones. I don't know. But they, they, they were the worst things to cut. Because you'd get jugged while you are trying to cut them. Thorns and thistles. God told Cain in Genesis 4.12, When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield her strength. The earth really doesn't yield its strength. Your animals eat animals. They get diseased. Rabies. I know years ago, my dad, just before my time, my dad told me years ago the turkeys got so plentiful in Pennsylvania and then they got a disease, blackhead, and almost wiped them out. Disease. Trees get disease. My brother-in-law's barn is built out of... Um, Chestnut. Chestnut is really a pretty wood. It's built out of chestnut. But you know, years ago in Pennsylvania, or years ago, the chestnut trees got a disease. And you won't find a chestnut tree hardly anywhere. They're trying to bring them back. But they were wiped out by disease. When I was in high school, the gypsy moth, the gypsy moth were so bad, they were, you know, uh, cat the, the, the caterpillar of the moths were so bad, they eat all the leaves off the tree, all but the poplar trees. And I remember driving out, uh, Route 26 one time with our uh, VOAG teacher, and he said, you see, see that mountain over It looked like it was winter. There wasn't a leaf on the tree, except every once in a while you see a little green patch. They were poplar trees. For some reason they wouldn't eat poplar leaves. But they killed a lot of trees. But they were so plentiful that eventually they killed themselves out. See, all, the, all this is death. You know, death is everywhere. A lion survives by killing, eating deer or like. Salmon migrate from the ocean, all, from the ocean uh, each year and will swim as much as 900 miles to the place of their birth, spawn and die. Just lay over and die. See, all of creation is cursed by man's sin and is subject to death. That's the existing state of creation. Why all the evil? You know, people are trying to figure out, why do we have all this evil in the world? You know, philosophers have philosophized about that for years. It's really quite simple. It's man's sin. Man's sin. Socialism will not solve it. In fact, they're part of the problem. Because they do not recognize man's sin. So that's the existing state of the creation. But I want you to notice the expected state of the sons of God. Notice again verse 19. It says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now the manifestation of the sons of God refers to the event in which it will appear who and what the sons of God are. By the glory received from God at the last day. So we're waiting for the time we revealed who is really saved and who is not. Now 
Now, you know, there are those claiming to be in the family of God, members of churches, who are false. Jesus warned about this. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus warned about this in several places in the the Gospels. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. He says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast in the fire, Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils. In thy name done many for wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Uh, so Jesus here was warning his disciples that they're going to be false prophets and they're going to be those who are, are, have false professions of salvation. They're going to say, Lord, Lord, but they really don't know him. They really don't know him. He says, it's not he that saith, but he that doeth the will of my Father. He that doeth the will of my Father. Look at chapter 13. He, he, he speaks of this again, chapter 13, in one of the parables. Chapter 13 and verse 13. I'm sorry, verse 24. Chapter 13, verse 24. The parable of the wheat and tares. It says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Of course, we know the seed is the word of God. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants uh, of the household came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? Whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? He said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now in verse 36 uh, through 43, he explains this parable. 
It says in verse 36, Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parables of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned into fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity. And shall cast them into a furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as a sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus said there's going to be tares that are going to grow among the wheat. In other words, there's going to be false professors in the kingdom, in the churches. And in the churches. But the day when the Son of Man, the Son of the Sons of God are revealed, are going to reveal who is false. Look also, and Paul talked about this in Second Corinthians chapter eleven. Second Corinthians chapter eleven. He talked about it in several places, and even Peter made reference to it. Second Corinthians eleven and verse twenty six. Paul said, in journeys often, in perils and waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. In Galatians chapter 4, again, he talked about false brethren brought in unawares. In uh, Philippians chapter 3, in verses 17 through 19, Philippians 3, 17 through 19, he says, Brethren, ye followers together of me, mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. For many walk, I have I've told you often, and I'll tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. Peter said in 2 Peter 2, 1 and 2, there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow the pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. John said in 1 John 2, they went out from us because they were not of us. If they would have been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out because they were not of us. Now, all these are referring to people, those among their churches. I want you to think about that. We're talking about first century. There's no such thing as a Roman Catholic church yet. That evolved around 500 A.D. and from then on. And, of course, the seeds of it were earlier with Augustine and all those. but, But that evolved later on. There was no such thing as a Roman Catholic church. All churches were New Testament. Baptists. And among them there were false brethren. We're talking about a time of persecution where it wasn't an attractive thing to join the church. I mean, all they were called the sect of the Nazarenes. 
That's a slur. You know, we get slurs today. We get called legalists, pharisaical. We think we're the only ones that are right. Well, those are slurs. See, it wasn't attractive then to join the church. There was you know, even much persecution, and yet there were still false professions. How many today in America are false? That's fearful to think about. I don't spend too much time thinking about it because it gets depressing. I heard one old, I read one old preacher said one time he, he believes 75% of people in Baptist churches are unsaved. And then he said, 50% of preachers. I don't know why he said that, but he did a lot of traveling. But there's going to be an identity of God's children. You know, Romans 8, 19 says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. God's children will be made known. In Matthew 7, two times he says, by their fruits ye shall know them. You know, a tree bears what fruit it is. Apple trees don't bear pears. Because they're apple trees. I know that's rocket science. But they bear what they are. And if we are Christians, we ought to bear what we are. Our fruit should be what we are. You ever hear this say, that's who he is. That's who he is. They ought to say about us, that's who they are. That's who they are. You know, Judas was who he was all along. And Jesus knew it. You know, I thought about that, and I I often thought about I thought about this. You know, maybe the disciples would have known too if they hadn't been bickering all along about who was going to be the greatest. You know, Paul said in Philippians, Philippians chapter three. I want to go back there for a minute. Philippians chapter three. In verse 19, when he describes these people, he says, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. So these false brethren, they mind earthly things. They're more concerned about world relationships than their relationship with God. Their focus is not to please God, but getting along in the world. They want to get along in the world. You know, back in, back in those days, when the Roman persecution started, you know, many times the, the Romans would say, you know, you need to deny Christ, just offer some incense. And some did. What were they doing that? To get along in the world. They were doing that to get along in the world. But in doing it, they were denying that Christ is the only way of salvation. 
You know, 1 John 2 tells us that we know him because we keep his commandments. And, of course, John tells us in 1 John some things about keeping his commandments. There should be a love for the brethren, a pursuit and pattern of righteousness, of doing right, chapter 3, a trying and examining of the spirits, chapter 4, verse 1. We ought to try the spirits where they are. We ought to examine everything in life by the word of God. See, these are things, that's who we are. That should be who we are. That's the fruit of a true child of God. Oh, there's going to be a revealing. You know, Matthew 13, 43 says, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Well, that's going to be a glorious day. For those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord, you know, Daniel talks about it in Daniel 12, 3, he says, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteous as the stars forever and ever. Oh, it's going to be a glorious day for the sons of God. That's our expectant state of the sons of God. But I want you to notice, thirdly, the extent of the manifestation of the sons of God. In verses 19, again through 22 of our text, it says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Now we're talking here about the, the animate or inanimate creation. The creature itself all shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. So the extent of the manifestation of the sons of God, there's, you know, all, are going to be, all, all of creation is going to be liberated from this corruption that we see in the world today. Shall be delivered from the bondage of the word liberty means freedom from the restraints and miseries of earthly frailty. It's going to be a, a, a freedom from all the, the hardships and the afflictions and the persecutions and, and the trials and the, the tortures of life and, and all the corruption we see in the world, even the animal world and the disease and, and plant and, and animal creation, all that will be changed. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And verse 51. 1 Corinthians 15. 51 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Talking here about the rapture. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality, so when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, one of these days we're going to be freed from all this corruption, and this corruption is going to put on incorruption when the sons of God are revealed. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul 
talks about this also in verse 20 and 21. For our conversation is in heaven. For whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that we may fashion like unto his glorious body. According to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. We'll go to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21 describes this state for us somewhat. Revelation 21 and verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be as God. And the God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. No more tears, sorrow, death, pain, crying, there will be all things of the past one day. One day. In fact, we're going to be removed from the very presence of corruption. Look at verse 27 of chapter 21, Revelation. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh an abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, it'll be a wonderful day when we are removed, when this corruptor shall put on incorruption, and we're removed from the very presence of sin. So we're going to be liberated from this corruption, and all of, cre- all of creation and all creatures will be liberated with us. Again, the word creatures here in verse uh, 20, or 19 and the word creation verse 22 refers to the aggregate of irrational creatures of course irrational means without faculty of reason so you're talking about animals plants uh, although that does seem to fit some people they're irrational but but anyway but that's what it's referring to and we have a lot of people that act like animals but and so go to look at uh, Isaiah chapter 11 Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11, the prophets spoke about this. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 5, says, And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins. Now this chapter, uh, verse 1, is talking about the the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 1 says, There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of destiny, a branch shall grow out of his roots. Of course, it's a reference to Christ. And here in verses 5 through uh, uh, verse 9, we're talking about the kingdom. It says, and the righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. We're speaking about Christ. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. Would that work today? The leopard shall lie down with the kid. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling and a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the sucking child shall play 
on the whole of the asp. The asp is a poisonous viper. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Go to chapter 65. Chapter 65. Chapter 65, verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. But be ye glad. You want to be, want to be, want to be wonderful not to remember bad things. And he says here, the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. But be ye glad, verse 18, and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing, and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem, and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child shall die in a hundred years, but the sinner, being a hundred years old, shall be cursed. And they shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands, they shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble. For they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord, and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. And the wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord God. Yeah, we're talking about the kingdom here, the kingdom age of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in Ezekiel chapter 34, again, verses 25, Ezekiel 34, 25 to 28. He says, And I will make them, with them a covenant of peace, and I will cause the evil beast to cease out of the land. And they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make with them the places round about my hill a blessing, and I will cause the shower to come down in his season. There shall be showers of blessing, and the tree of the field shall yield her fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase, and they shall be safe in the land, and shall know that I am the Lord when I have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them out of the hand of those that served themselves of them. And they shall no more be a prey to the heathen, neither shall the beasts of the land devour them, but they shall dwell safely, and none shall make them afraid. See, one of these days that the land is going to yield her increase. All that it's capable of. All that it was created to. You see, all of creation, one day, when the, when the sons of God are manifested, all of creation will again be at peace and harmony. Disease, sorrow, and death will be no more. And our Lord Jesus will reign on the throne of his father David and we will reign with him. Here Revelation 26 says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection and such the second death hath no power but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. You know, all of creation will testify to the manifestation of the sons of God 
when God reveals who are His. Who are His. It's going to be a glorious day for the sons of God. But to those that are not, it'll be a day of torment, of suffering. You know, the question I have this morning is, will you be manifested in that day? Will it be revealed that you really are a child of God? Is there fruit in your life? Who are you? If if the Lord was to say, that's who you are, would you be considered a child of God? Or a child of the world that minds earthly things as false. One of these days, and I believe it's soon, there's going to be a manifestation of God's sons. And for those of us who know him, that's going to be a glorious day. Are you prepared?